You're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, we're speaking with Angie Lau from Forecast News. Angie is a well-known face in the trading and crypto world since she was formerly that lead anchor for Bloomberg Asia. Now she's starting her own media platform called Forecast News that's exclusively focused on digital asset slash cryptocurrency news. Our conversation today touches on some fascinating topics, so we hope you enjoy it. Um, welcome everybody to Diffuse Tap. Hopefully you had a good conversation just now, so you know what to expect in this event. Here's what's on tap for Diffuse Tap. Very briefly, we're going to talk about the event and Diffuse, and then that's the whole pitching done in about 30 seconds. And then the bit you're all here for, we're going to do a fireside chat with our expert speaker of the day, Angie Lau. And then we're going to do one, two more breakout rooms, very similar to the ones you just did, to give you a chance to meet some new folks. Diffuse Tap's where you are, like I just talked about. 45 minutes of our session every week is um, every Wednesday at 10 central. Every 45 minutes of it is networking in small groups. 15 minutes of it is insights from a speaker talking about something we think will be of interest to the community. The community being mostly uh, investors, GPs, LPs, it runs the gamut, but people who have a skew towards the alternative asset classes. So Diffuse, what we do, we do fund in a box. So we help incubate new funds. Um, we work with would-be um, general partners in alt funds, and we have a whole step-by-step process to help them create the fund model, the thesis, the underwriting, um, service providers, all of the nuts and bolts of how to actually run a fund. And then post-launch, we step in as the CEO CFO and run a lot of the day-to-day to free up the GPs to go execute the thesis. One such fund is Regiment Alpha, um, which is an early stage DeFi-focused fintech fund. So if that's of interest, do let us know. And then another one that we're launching uh, whenever we get legal done, so like days, is Diffuse Digital 30, which is the world's first true institutional grade index fund for cryptocurrencies. Uh, right now it's sell off overnight, probably pretty good time to be buying more crypto. So uh, we're excited to have that off into the running. And that's a very clean segue into Miss Angie Lau. Angie, I'm terrible with introductions. Would you mind uh, giving a little bit of overview of your background and what you're up to now? Oh my God, dude, you're just going to give me the floor. I'm going to talk for an hour and we're going to say goodbye. (laughs) Uh, I will jump in and cut you off if you go too long. She's really probably probably true. Um, Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. Uh, uh, We just had a little bit of news today, so maybe you can find me uh, on the internet. Um, Quick Quick intro is that I'm CEO, founder, and editor-in-chief of Forecast.News. This is a multimedia digital platform that focuses on all things blockchain, digital assets, uh, and yes, that includes cryptocurrencies and sometimes NFTs as well. Um, and, uh, but really we're taking a look at emerging technologies that shape our world. And we take a very specific focus from Asia um, we cover this space uh, more thoughtfully, we hope, um, with the kind of depth that I think this uh, space absolutely needs. Um, and so we cover technologies that shape our world at the intersection of business, politics, and economy. Um, so here I am. It's great to be here. Uh, and I'm all yours. I, I'm usually the one interviewing and asking all the questions. So this is this is very different for me. So Oh, well, now we have the expert. I'm in your hands, Kenny. Questions. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you did start to do the soft plug. What was the news today? 
they, they came out on the wire for forecast news. Congratulations, I think, are in order. Thank you. Yeah, um, happy to share. We uh, announced uh, 1.7 million oversubscribed uh, uh, early seed round. So um, uh, I know that's that's probably something that you're all very familiar with. But uh, yeah, the, I mean, the, for us, I mean, the news, the 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 exuberance we felt was probably you know when we realized we hit our goal and then some. Um, so this today was just a public acknowledgement of of that, and so our our press release came out today, and we got covered uh, in media. So it's it's nice to share a little bit of our story um, and and be the story. So that was nice. That's great. Congratulations. Well, um, we do fireside chat, and uh, to do the first question is my partner in crime, Ms. Isla Cran. Yeah, happy to. You know, one of the one of the key questions here is um, why why does the, the world need a kind of a blockchain focused media platform? What is the importance of giving it a kind of one single outlet uh, to be able to discuss a lot of the topics that still make it into mainstream media? You know, I have been a purveyor of journalism for my entire professional life, and I it has become very clear to me that you own a beat. And sometimes stories don't get told if resources and attention and focus isn't paid on it. That doesn't mean these stories uh, don't lack value. And sometimes um, they absolutely do. And it is um, incredibly important to cover this story more deeply. Crypto prices moving up or down is not the story here. It is a fraction of a sliver of what is a deeper story. Um, and, and that's what we're doing uh, at Forecast. And it was just really a recognition that, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of how Forecast was born. Um, th there really was not uh, at the time, thoughtful, in-depth, insightful, credible journalism on blockchain uh, and digital asset space. When I was at Bloomberg, I was already starting to see the um, signs of an emerging asset class. Uh, but the kind of stories that we were covering were very superficial, and then we moved on. I work in broadcast journalism, um, but I, I missed the depth and the insight of reporting and journalism that I actually personally valued. And I felt that this space was sorely missing that kind of credibility and pedigree. Um, on one hand, you have, uh, you know, uh, crypto media that is uh, really focused um, on the crypto converted, the crypto enthusiasts and the crypto insiders. And for the rest of us in this space who, and, and I mark uh, myself in this space as um, sophisticated, smart professionals who wanna learn more, but don't understand necessarily the, the inside jargon or um, you know, the technically dense kind of insider baseball language that was being thrown about. And then on the far side of the spectrum is mainstream media. And when you are talking to the largest number of readers possible, that's often where the stories go. And 
the kind of stories that were being covered were, of course, you know, Bitcoin going up or down and what's a shit coin and, you know, who got scammed today and who got arrested. Um, and those are, those are unfortunately still kind of predominantly the stories that we're seeing. But in this wide swath in the middle, how is blockchain uh, changing industries of which it was in media and supply chain, in fintech, in medical care, in um, GovTech, RegTech, uh, insurance? I mean, you name it. Every company is being touched by, no doubt, digital innovation. And blockchain is uh, a significant uh, portion of that digital change. And it deserves attention beyond a single journalist's beat. It deserved what I felt was a, a market opportunity for, for uh, forecast and media to really be covering this story from a part of the world that is increasingly more important than ever before. And certainly in the emerging technology space, uh, hands down, that's the case. And so we've really been able to cement our position here in Asia and um, really carve out a space in what is a widening field. That's great. And uh, you're right, like the, the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, just not interesting, really, right? Like there's not much of a story. There's so much more going on in the ecosystem. For the non-technically uh, inclined in the audience, what are like at a high level, some of the major trends that you're seeing unfolding? What do you find you're doing a lot of stories on? Yeah, I, I mean, so so what I find super interesting is the why. I mean, people can talk about the, the prices going up and down all they want until we're all blue in the face. And of course, you know, that is of interest. But the why really matters. And the why, um, for me, one of the, the most interesting aspects of it is what's happening in this part of the world uh, with remittances and 1.7 um, billion people who remain unbanked. Um, and also coming from developing economies that are looking to leapfrog into a global economic system with potentially emerging technologies. This is why we're seeing a lot of the push forward um, here in this part of the world, as defined, no doubt, by everything you're hearing about China um, with DCEP and uh, DCEP initiatives, um, digital currency, electronic payments, also known as central bank-backed digital currencies, also known as electronic fill-in-your-fiat of choice, uh, and, and how it's spreading across the region. For us, um, we've been reporting on this story since day one at Forecast, quite frankly, you know, ringing the clarion bell, as it were, and sounding out this story. Um, and, and now it's hitting the mainstream. What I'm excited about is sharing knowledge and digging a little bit more in depth as to, as to why. So it's about the unbanked. It's also about the, um, you know, and this is, this is also the phenomenon we're seeing in altcoins right now. You know, when Bitcoin reached uh, heights of 65 or close thereof um, and, you know, dropping like a stone these days, these, this is very much a hype cycle. And the reason for that is there is a lot of accessibility from the retail market that's, that's driving this. But that accessibility and the, the, the choice of a decentralized cryptocurrency um, amidst the backdrop of uh, current eco 
economic climate is actually a very interesting story. It's, it's the opportunity to, to create wealth uh, in a way that was inaccessible to most people before. I mean, um, somebody just showed me like a really old commercial uh, and okay, I, I shouldn't say that, but a classic, a classic. And uh, E.F. Hutton had this, this, you know, commercial that, that aired, it, it was on, on one of those YouTube things. And uh, I don't know if, if that name rings a bell, but, but, you know, it's an old, it, you know, it, it was the old world's way of creating wealth and potentially generational wealth, but wealth, right? You, you had to go through a broker. You, uh, your broker gave you stock tips. Uh, he gave you access. He usually he gave you access. It was very limited on ramp. Well, if you can imagine these days, the on ramps are uh, far and wide between. That's a very interesting story for us, Kenny. That's a great question because not only is it happening. I mean, Coinbase is obviously you know a headline that that U.S. based media um, cover and and uh, certainly that that has captured the world's imagination. But there are a dozen or more Coinbases popping up uh, all across Asia. Uh, and um, in fact, they're geographically uh, borderless because teams don't have a headquarters. They just are a decentralized group of people. So, so all of those stories are super interesting to me. Um, and, and our team certainly digs into that every day at Forecast. That, um, that kind of brings a, a good question here. A is geography and B is kind of regulations and, and C, the, the distribution piece. Kenny and I, we, we've been distributed from day one, so we just got lucky with COVID just reinforcing our theory that that's a good idea. Um, but uh, one of the things that I'd love to dive into is um, in terms of the regulatory environment and then the emergence of these new startups or technologies or platforms or um, exchanges, how does geography play a role in that? If you're just looking at some of the questions in the chat where we're on the digital UN or RMB, um, you know, how does really geography affect what kinds of technologies uh, get, a, get a lift, um, lift out and get global, global coverage or, or, or global use in this case, actually? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a real interesting bifurcation, I think, in terms of innovation um, uh, environment. Um, so, on one hand, you have the the regulatory boot, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, that seems to come out of the West, and so there are legacy systems that uh, demand to be protected. Uh, and there are legacy systems uh, and governments that are very hesitant and concerned and, and the regulatory environments in which they create uh, affect that. In Asia, what's interesting is because there is a desire to um, potentially leapfrog and, and always playing catch up, right? I mean, if you take a look at just how it's been defined, you know, at, at most of the continent here is still in, in developing mode um, as defined by, you know, by IMF, World Bank and others, right? And then how, how do these economies get to the next level of growth? And so when we see countries 
like China uh, embrace it wholeheartedly um, and Korea to a certain degree uh, where there's a struggle right now politically uh, trying to figure out if they need to regulate it or encourage it. And, and the, there, is a, the, there is definitely a spiritual struggle going on right there right now um, to Japan uh, where it is probably the only developed nation um, that has actually been at the forefront of helping define this space and being one of the leaders uh, and helping to shape the conversation. But even then it's, it's you know, Japan. Um, and then to Singapore and Hong Kong, you know, and then you have what's happening in Thailand um, and Indonesia. So what's happening is that blockchain and digital assets and cryptocurrencies and certainly, you know, electronic or central bank backed digital currencies and the moves there really reflect the kind of the kind of um, petri dish, if you will, for projects to explore um, their use cases to reach a retail group that are probably a lot more open and wedded to finding alternatives, right? There's not a systemic set of functions that are very specific in the West. I mean, the West has a very clear operating system, right? And it, and it's pretty standardized. Here in Asia, that's, that's, still, that's still a work in progress. And so, you know, when you give people products and access in a way they haven't had before, Innovation and blockchain projects that come here really flourish and find use cases and or trials. And so the data that is being collected here, the experiences um, and, and, you know, kind of a testing ground, uh, we could probably see it graduate globally. And I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave you with this. Uh, and I know some of you are from the Midwest, obviously, Chicago, uh, you know, and I, I spent some formative reporting years in Cleveland at the ABC uh, station there. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like once upon a time when, when everybody went to um, Columbus to uh, do focus groups uh, for their food products, for their whatever products, for their retail products. And they went to Columbus because that was the perfect cross section of America. And if it worked there, it would work for America. <laughs> and I would use that same analogy of potentially if it works here, we could start seeing it trickle too. You could start seeing it in your backyard. I love it. You are the, the testing ground. That's brilliant. Um, we do try to break up this uh, so it's not people are just listening. It's an interactive event. So we're going to do a round of breakout rooms. Um, you will have chance, Angie, just be aware, they will have chance to answer, ask you more questions. Um, but some quick housekeeping for the actual breakout room. It's not a pitch environment, just kind of network, see what you can do. So you can work together. It's not just a chance to raise money. Uh, no a-holing goes without saying, but you know, it still needs to be said. Uh, and we don't send out a full participant list. So if you, if you do run into somebody that you'd like to stay contacted with or in contact with after the event, swap details then. Or we do have a very active Telegram group that you can join as well that um, Isla, if she hasn't already, I'll put in the chat and in a follow-up email. Isla, do you want to talk a bit about breakout rooms and topic? Yeah. Happy to. So breakout rooms going to be groups of four or five, and um, we'll have quick chats about the topic I'll give you in just a second. 
The first topic is how has the media influenced your view or learning journey when it comes to all things crypto and digital assets? And so I'll pop into rooms now. I'll see you back in exactly 10 minutes. Good. Hello, everybody. And thanks for the compliment. I think that was Mariah. Appreciable. That wasn't my compliment. It was your room compliment. Um, so we have gotten the question now three times in the chat for you, Angie. So it is generally, what are your thoughts on the Chinese uh, currency that's being launched? Is it going to be the new central reserve? Like, are you super bullish on it? Is it more of a me too? How is it going to impact the, the, uh, the kind of inter-country landscape as it were? Yeah, I, I think if, you know, bullish is a word probably for like FX traders because it's still tied to, uh, you know, the, the Chinese economy and how you value that basket of wealth there. However, What's interesting is that there's that China is, and in fact, we're um, launching a, a three-part series, and and I'll share it with you guys uh, in the Telegram when when it goes global. Uh, it's a seven-year lead for the PBOC currently. Uh, there's a lot of functionality there that an application that could be uh, very interesting. What it potentially can do is uh, sidestep the US as a, as a reserve currency. Now, whether or not it dilutes it altogether, I mean, China still holds a big part of US treasury debt. So um, th there are dynamics that go beyond this. But what it does for China is allow it to engage directly with um, its trade partners in a way that creates efficiencies and uh, disintermediates the, the need for US dollars, which also then removes US influence from many of these trade relationships. And that is what we are talking about. Uh, that is actually um, really a potential for a geopolitical shift in uh, power dynamics. Um, and that's a, a story that that we're we're very aware of, but you know, recently um, I I chatted with the team in Washington D.C. Um, at the Digital Dollar Foundation. So this is ex CFTC Chair Chris Giancarlo, who heads up the Digital Dollar Foundation, which is a private back uh, led um, organization that uh, is pushing the digital dollar initiative uh, in a way that the Federal Reserve uh, can't. And uh, so it was a it was very enlightening um, conversation. And one of the highlights, and, and it's on forecast on news, but um, one of the, the highlights uh, for those of you who don't want to sit through it is, you know, he said something super interesting, which is, I think, in his view, it's not a race, it's a contest. And I hear him on this. Uh, the race right now as first adopter and uh, first mover advantage, that's going to be China. Hands down, that's going to be China. They're going to define that in the way that best serves, obviously, foreign policy, foreign initiatives, trade policy, et cetera, et cetera. And that's going to be very much this part of the world. Uh, part of the economic agenda is also part of the political agenda. So, so always be aware of that. But what Giancarlo said was that it's a contest. And in a contest, it's who will ultimately be the, uh, the winner or the, the, the dominant player. 
And that, in a way, makes this a very interesting story to cover. Because even if the U.S. potentially is far behind, and I really hope it's not that far behind, um, but let's say, you know, it's even if it's far behind um, and at some point establishes a digital currency or a digital dollar, uh, it will also have the characteristics uh, and the, um, the, the constitutional rights uh, that are embedded into the U.S. dollar uh, as a reflection of U.S. values. And that's what makes it super interesting. So, for example, tracking you through your use of dollars. I mean, in a way that happens right now, but it's, you know, Homeland Security, it's, um, you know, Fat F, you know, anti-money laundering, KYC. These are all established universal, you know, goals um, that, that people, you know, have agreed to abide by. Terrorism is bad. Uh, you know, here's how, here's how we can track dollars. But, you know, but when it comes to tracking you, Kenny, and what you bought with that digital dollar, uh, exactly why, and then maybe share it with all the retailers and whatever it is, um, that's protected in Fourth Amendment rights, uh, your right to privacy. So if, and then in China, if that's not an established characteristic of a digital yuan, for example, I think that could be a very interesting contest because if it ultimately becomes people's preference on which electronic currency to use, uh, I think that's a very interesting point that he made that I thought was, that I had not heard before uh, and I'm uh, sharing it with you. Um, I encourage you to, to watch it. It's actually very uh, a, a very enlightening talk. And, and another aspect of it as well is that, you know, even if China is light years ahead, uh, it, which it is, there's also, you know, an opportunity to work with China and to work with um, businesses and enterprise. And almost in the way that, again, I'm dating myself, in the way that, you know, American car factory workers or managers would go to Japan and see how Japanese car factories created efficiencies in a way that they could not, uh, and then adopted a lot of those best practices. You know, in that same way, there is an opportunity to see the kind of efficiencies that are being created right now across enterprises, across industries. We're observing that right now, and it is great to learn from. It's fantastic to learn from, because I think the most impactful part of all of this blockchain um, implementation is actually not, you know, the scary stuff, which, you know, is a, is a headline that you're going to click on and, you know, some advertiser is going to be super happy about it. That's the old way. The more contextual story is actually how China businesses and Asia businesses are implementing efficiencies at a far faster rate and pace than potentially industries in the U.S. So when you're talking about, you know, 
one-to-one contest between um, businesses. And if productivity is key and if efficiency and capital preservation and, and, you know, smart use of all of that because of blockchain and because of blockchain innovation, I think I'm going to be really interested to see what's happening in Asia. That's fascinating. Um, and actually, Dan is, uh, is one of our, that's really interesting. And we can listen all day. Uh, Dennis uh, Chikazian's in the room and he, he has a whole thing about how Chinese government, um, just being further up the authoritarian uh, spectrum, they can just do things kind of unilaterally and they, a lot of these other concerns aren't as big of a deal. Gives them a lot of advantages uh, for the long term. But we do need to do another short breakout room. Isla, do you want to take that away? Yeah, and so right now, next question. What is your own best and worst digital asset investment and what did you learn from that? Today's mistakes included. <laughs> <laughs> right, open your rooms, see you in a moment. And we'll bring you back just a minute or two before the top of the hour there. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to do a quick wrap up and then kind of end it right at the top of the hour. So just so you know, what is up next? If you like the community, want to engage, Telegram's where it's at. Um, some of you might have an old WhatsApp link. We outgrew that, which is a good problem to have. So Telegram is the new way forward. So please join us. Um, I do see I just put it on the chat so you can join it there and it will be in a follow up email. As a reminder, we incubate funds. Um, fund in a box is uh, kind of what we loosely call it. We're actually changing that a little bit, but um, we try to find interesting theses, interesting managers and help them get into market. So that's working with GPs, LPs, the whole kit and caboodle um, to allow the GPs to go execute the thesis. And we try to do everything else to allow for that specialization to happen, which generally speaking, doesn't happen in small funds. Everybody has to do everything. Um, one, and then next week, do not forget to tune in. It's every Wednesday at 10. Um, we're going to be having a, a couple of folks that are have a really, mm, let's call it off the run, investment strategy into film finance. So with that, um, Angie, really do appreciate you taking the time. Congratulations again on the, the news hitting the wire um, about your um, uh, seed and investment round. Um, Isla, was there anything else on your agenda we want to talk to with this good audience? Um, no, I think we're all good. If you have any questions, feel free to reply to the email that's going to go out in just a minute to you. And otherwise, we'll see you next week. All right. right. Thank you, everybody. And, uh, for up. Can I just pop in with one last thing? I just want to thank um, everybody. Uh, great questions. I love the networking. It was awesome. And uh, if you want to reach me, I'm totally old school. It's Angie, A-N-G-I-E, at F-O-R-K-A-S-T dot news. So um, I put it in there. And, you know, forecast, happy to re be a resource for all of you. Uh, we, we do a newsletter uh, roundup every week. Um, obviously, you know, super eager to hear what your needs are um, because that helps us uh, be a better um, purveyor of great journalism and great content in this space. So thank you, Isla and Kenny. Thank you, Angie. See you later, everybody. Bye, everyone. Have a good one. You've been listening to Diffuse Tap with Isla Krem and Kenny Estes. If you enjoyed these conversations, join us for the live version every Wednesday-ish at 10 a.m. Central. In addition to the fireside chat, the live event features three rounds of networking in small groups with alternative fund GPs, LPs, and supporters from around the world. Log on to www.diffusefunds.com to register yourself now.